Hi, my name is Selena, and I am excited that you are here. Welcome to the Unbreakable Spirit, where we tackle difficult topics of immense proportions, and we uncover how your internal drive and power allows you to rise above those setbacks. We seek to uplift and offer hope and healing after experiencing adversity. Welcome to our conversation, where there's always a seat at our table for you. Juliet Carey is a powerhouse. She is a mother, grandmother, wife, registered nurse, a published author, and CEO. Today, Juliet sits down with us. Uh, in her own words, Juliet is on a mission to support women to look and feel fabulous while healing the world with their stories, creating successful businesses, and living empowered lives. Today, we'd like to speak with her about her book, the seven life lessons leading to your purpose. And this is a book about persevering on purpose. I like that. We love that at the Unbreakable Spirit. Juliet, welcome and thank you for sharing space with us today. And congratulations on your newly published books and all of your accomplishments. Thank you. Thank you so much, Selena. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I know it's no small feat. It sounds like your life is super duper duper busy. So um, we should jump right into it. I want to I wanna talk about your book um, in a moment, but I guess what, what is always curious to me and to our listeners is, you know, what is it that led you to write this book? That's a good question. You know, I have, as most women, lived a full and continue to live a full uh, life with all kinds of interesting experiences. And I, I have this organization, as uh, we touched on earlier, called My Sisters Are Stories. And that's a platform where women share their stories of success despite adversities. And in listening to women share their stories and understanding and appreciating their experiences and their triumphs. And it made me realize, wait a minute, I haven't shared my story. Mm -hmm. And so it's always been within me to, to write a book. And as an immigrant um, coming from the Caribbean as a child, and just the, the whole experience of that, and then growing up here, um, you know, there's just a lot of experiences that I felt the need to share. I was compelled to share. And of course I did have a, life-threatening illness and that just really um you know brought on the urgency for me to go ahead and share my story and write my story so that there's a record of my story of your story can you share with us about um your life-threatening illness when it was and what it was are you comfortable doing that y yes i am <clears throat> i certainly am in uh 2008 I would say I was a woman, busy, busy, busy. Um, but I would say most of the time, busy, um, not necessarily accomplishing. Mm. And yes. And because I, um, for whatever reason, felt the need to always keep myself busy, I always used to say I was living my life and the life of 10 other people. Wow. I was the, yes, I was the go-to person for my mother-in-law, for my mom for those around me because they knew I worked from home most of the time during that time. And so um, I was just running around doing a lot. And uh, during that time, I was getting a lot of headaches. Mm. And I just kind of put them on the side because I thought, well, I'm tired, I'm busy. And I, I used to drink a lot of coffee at that time. So every time I would get a headache, 
I would take my um, go-to cocktail, which was to have a cup of coffee with right. um, Advil. You know, I used to take that Advil gel. Honestly, like the thing was candy because I did Wow. Like, and you like weren't it. even, you weren't even cluing in at that time that, that like these headaches were probably more than they should be. That was not a, that was not, not on your. Not at all. Wow. Not okay. All. I, I, as, as I sit here and drink coffee, you got me a little scared. Please continue. It's not <laughs> the coffee girl. It was the coffee and the Advil and my lifestyle. But um, in combination. In combination. And so I, um, the, the, the headaches were, were increasing. I was getting the headaches daily, and, but I didn't even recognize that because again, I was so busy. And, and if I, as soon as I got the headache, of course I would drink my coffee, take my Advil and the headache would go away. Wow. And so that went on for a little bit. I would say there was a week of consistent headaches. And then, um, the day of the, uh, I guess, explosion for lack of a better word, I, I had a really bad headache that day. And I remember I was busy in the morning, had my coffee and Advil cocktail. And I, you know, mid-afternoon, I, I came back home and I took an afternoon nap and the headache was still there. And I remember it was in the evening, my husband got home and I thought, you know, I said to him, I said, my head is killing me. I don't know what's going on, but my head is just hurting so much. And um, he said, well, get some rest, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I never rested. Right. Um, at that time, long story short, headache um, progressed. I I felt the need to actually at the time to go to the bathroom. And as a nurse, again, I still didn't even make the connection. I felt the need to go to the bathroom, went to the bathroom. As I sat on the toilet, I, I could feel a pain going down my neck. Oh, thought, oh my gosh. I, I immediately thought, all of a sudden the nurse kicked in. I thought, I must have meningitis. And I thought, my neck is stiff. Right. Where, where would I have gotten meningitis from? And I never cry. And my husband came in the room at the time and I started to cry. I said, there's something going on inside my head because literally it felt like my head was tearing open. Oh my gosh. And so he's like, let's go to the hospital. And I'm a nurse and I don't like hospital. I'm like, no, I'm going to lay down. <laughs> and so I laid down for a little bit. I called my cousin who was also a nurse. She came over, immediately checked my blood pressure, which was insane mm. at the time. And she starts to cry. She's like, oh, my God, I think you're having a stroke. You've got to go to the hospital. And I said, no, I'm going to go to a clinic. Went to the clinic. Of course, there's limited things they could do. Checked me out. He's like, you know, you seem your reflexes are good. It doesn't look like you're having a stroke, but there's definitely something wrong. And you need to go to the hospital and get them to see inside your head. I said, right. can I take some Advil and go to bed? Mm. And mm. he is... Well, it's up to you, but I'm telling you, um, I wouldn't recommend that. I would recommend you go to the hospital. I, of course, I didn't take his recommendation. I went home, I took some Advil, and I went to bed. And I remember the pain was so intense throughout the night. As I turned my head, I had to hold my head to do it. Oh, my gosh, Juliet. I know, I know. Juliet, this I, is such a cautionary tale about self-care. And about sweeping things under the rug. Yes, because I went to bed that night. And Girl. God must have been saying, what are you doing? Yeah. And clearly his hand was in everything. I woke up the morning and uh, I was grateful I was still there. And I, I that's when I, sh I called mom. I actually had my daughter drive me to my family doctor because my thought was, 
I'd go to the family doctor. I don't know what I thought. She was going to do something and, and it would go away. And I called my mom as I was, you know, I called the doctor, the doctor's office. They're like, no, Juliet, June, which is my doctor. I've had her since I was 13. Mm-hmm. She's not here. She's on vacation for two weeks. You've got to go to the hospital with this headache. So and this is now the second, this is now the third time you're being told to go to the hospital. First, it was your, well, no, it's the fourth, because first your husband said it, then your cousin said it, then the uh, the clinic said it. And, and so this is the fourth time. Knock, yeah. knock, knock, Juliet. Knock, yes, knock. I know, I know. So I, I finally listened and um, I decided I was going to go to the hospital. I called my mom because I didn't tell her this, my mom until that morning, because I knew she'd make me do something. Right. And, <laughs> Like when go to the hospital. I, I called her and I told her what was going on. And she's like, okay. I was actually going to go to Georgetown. I live in Brampton. And she's like, no, don't go to Georgetown. Go to Credit Valley. I'll meet you there. And I did. I went to Credit Valley. My daughter dropped me off. I, I did have the foresight as to not drive that day. Mm-hmm. My daughter dropped me off. She went to work with my vehicle. And mom met me there because my husband, he was at work. He went to work. Because I'm like, I'll be fine. It's a headache. It'll go of away. Of course. Of course. Because that's what we do as women. I'll be fine. Oh. I'll be fine. And I remember I had a wedding to do the next day. But anyways, um, I was in the hospital. Things moved so incredibly quickly. I mean, I'm a woman of faith. And in looking back, I can just honestly see the hands of God moving. Mm-hmm. Because I went to the hospital. Emerge was full. I remember there was a kid crying. I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't deal with the crying today. It's too mm-hmm. noisy. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like the minute I sat down, they called me into a room. The minute I got into the room, they called me in to go get a CAT scan. And it seemed like as soon as I got back from the CAT scan, I remember the nurse, uh, it was a female doctor, and the nurse walked in the room and said, you know, Mrs. Crary, we've got um, good and bad news. And I said, okay, you know what, give me the bad news first. And they said, well, it looks as though you've had uh, you're, you've had an aneurysm. Uh, you have a, you're experiencing a brain bleed right now. And I thought, oh, and then said, they said, of course, um, but the situation is the good news that we know what it is. The bad news is that this is not a neurological hospital and we've got to find your hospital in province, out of province or out of the country. When she said that, that's when I realized, oh my gosh, this is severe. You realize the severity of it because they couldn't even handle it there. Yeah, this is, this is, this is crazy. And immediately I remember the wedding. Who knew? I remember the wedding. Oh, I of course make, you did. <laughs> I remember the wedding for tomorrow and I immediately called the girlfriend. I said, listen, I've got everything organized for this wedding tomorrow. Um, can you take over this wedding? Because I'm, I'm kind of in the hospital right now. And, um, you know, this bride has to be taken care of. So my friend took over that wedding. And, um, and then I just started wedding. I went in a planning mode as to, things that needed to take care of because I figured I was going to be there a little bit. And sure. long story short, they eventually get, got me to um, Sunnybrook, which of course, you know, is a trauma hospital. And they started doing tests and could not really find the source of the bleed. I was in the mm. ICU for a week and I was in the step down unit for another week. Um, in the midst of all of that, they never found the source of the bleeding. Um, I remember when they took the initial, um, angiogram which is unbelievable but um because they tell you it's a pain-free test uh, mm. no it's not mm. um, when they inject that dye my body went to places i can't even explain oh, the wow. pain was so intense oh, wow. and 
Um, but in doing the test, they never found the source. And, uh, you know, I was in ICU on that Friday. And this, the Saturday they did the angiogram, couldn't find anything. And then, um, let's say they couldn't find anything. They couldn't find the source. Source, of the right. And the Sunday, I remember a pastor came to visit me. A friend of mine's son, who I didn't know him well, but I know my girlfriend well. His son, her son came in to the hospital and he said, do you mind if I anoint your head and pray with you? And I'm like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and so he prayed. And but before he prayed, he read um, Psalms uh, 46. And when he got to verse 10, be still and know that no, I'm that going. Go mm -hmm. All of a sudden, because the whole time I'm thinking, how am I here? I've never been sick a day in my life. Mm -hmm. not, what, what am I doing here? Because mm -hmm. you know you question things. Of course. And, uh, the minute he read that, I knew exactly. Ooh, I knew exactly why I was there. Mm. Because I didn't know what it was to be still. Mm. Mm. I didn't know how to rest. I used to say to people, four hours sleep is all I need. Juliet. And um, apparently the body needs more than that. That moment, but, that moment. Let, let's, can we just take uh, a pause here? Can we really just take a moment here? Because I felt that in my soul. As you have been telling your story of how you got there, all I kept thinking about is how you are consistently putting others in front of you and you're concerned about the wedding and you're concerned about this and meanwhile you have just been told that you have a brain bleed and they don't know the origin of it and before you focus on that you are more concerned about making sure that everything else is organized and god is so good because he brought this gentleman to your room and how your spirit felt that moment of be still that was that's that's very telling and we don't listen i think we don't listen enough you know and i'm but i'm really happy that the spirit is present with you because that could have been a moment that you completely missed do you know what i mean absolutely if you weren't open to it you could have completely missed that moment how yeah. gracious how gracious that's that's a powerful sorry I'm, I'm sounding kind of speechless but i just feel like the moment needs reverence and yeah. that that i feel like we always need to hear and be still what is it that we are not hearing yes. how can we be more present to hear what it is that the divine is trying to tell us you know um because i i have known people who have, have had aneurysms they did not make it um, and there is a reason that you're here. So you're here. This is your testimony, right? Your testimony is your story is the reason that you're here. How did you move through this very, very critical time in your life? Oh, well, um, of course, again, I'm a woman of faith. So um, heavily, heavily relied on, oh. on God and, mm -hmm. and, you know, as if, especially if you grow up in the in the faith, sure. You grow up in the faith, you do sort of just assume it's always there. You just sort of take things for granted, and you don't really appreciate um, 
what you have. And, and so um, there were definitely some moments like that particular moment mm -hmm. at Be Still and just acknowledging that um, I had to like stop, slow down. And I'm going to tell you, I slept so much when I was in the hospital. I never knew it was physically possible. I was clearly exhausted and didn't mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. And I, I slept and slept. But, um, and I remember being very intentional when I was in the hospital. I had uh, my husband uh, brought in, uh, um, you know, a DVD player so I could watch movies. And I only watched a particular movie. It wasn't, it had to be comedy or it had to be spiritual. It had yes. to be uplifting. I yes. don't, I, to this day, I don't watch the news. Right. I just watch the news. So nourishing oh. your soul and your spirit with, you know, I remember my cousin said to me once, um, he's, he's no longer on this earth plane. And he said to me once, uh, we would talk about stress and feeling when you were feeling down and blue. And he said, just put a comedy on. And it's so funny because I remember oh. he was actually in Sunnybrook. And I remember the doctor said that they wanted to have a family meeting. And I'd always heard those family meetings are never good. And that day I was freaking out. And, and what did I do? I put on a comedy just to calm myself. That, that was really good. So now you're getting into the self-care, right? Now yes. you're getting into, now I'm understanding what I need to do for myself. And you're ensuring that your state of mind mm -hmm. is being protected. 100%. And it's, and I, it's funny because I, I, I always thought myself prior to this, to be all about self-care. <laughs> I did. I thought I was all about me first, me this, me that. Mm -mm. No. And so, yeah, I remember being there. And I remember while I was there, a friend visited. And it's funny the things that you remember. And, and this particular person was focusing on some things in her life and some desires in her life that she, you know, didn't have or couldn't accomplish. And, I, and as she was talking, I was kind of sitting there in my brain going, I can't believe I'm in the hospital with a brain bleed and you're bringing your issues to me. <laughs> How is this okay? <laughs> right, right, right. You know, so I, I, I turned off what she was saying and in my mind I started going, yeah, 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 yeah. Because honestly. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. but, but had this been a week ago, you probably would not have reacted a week exactly. prior. You would not, you would have been there for it. You would have been yes. there for it. You've been trying to counsel her through it. And then yes. you realize, Hey, so that was all part of it. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. I am, I am, you know, I hope that, that this doesn't come across mean, but I am so happy that you recognize how much of your soul that you were giving. And, exactly. and protecting that as well, right? And I used to always consider myself a giver, mm -hmm. and I, I still am, but mm -hmm. recognize that one of the persons that I need to give to is Juliet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The most one important the person you need to give to is Juliet. Because if you don't have, you have nothing to give. That's what they talk about when they talk about that oxygen mask on the plane. Put it on yourself exactly. first. Because so funny. I'm good at telling other people that stuff, but... <laughs> Living it is another story. Living it for yourself. Is another, living, living it for yourself. Story. Living it for yourself. Um, you know, I am happy that you're here with us. And I want to now, because that, I mean, I know that that's, that I, I, I myself am a survivor of a critical illness. And um, 
there are, there's, there's definitely come to Jesus moments. And I'm so happy that you are here and you are here, but for the grace of God, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it changes, it changes the lens. Perspective. Yes, the lens. girl. It changes the lens. Yes. In yes. how you see the world. It yes. changes the lens in how you experience things. It changes the lens as to how you treat people. And yes. it also changes the lens as to how you allow people to treat you. Treat you. Preach, yes. Sister Juliet. Preach. Yes. Yes. That's it right there. Things I would, have, I would have overlooked before and I would go home and I would be lost in my thoughts trying to figure out, oh, I should have done this. I should have said that. Mm -hmm. Now, no, no. That's no. all gone. That's bye-bye. Gone bye-bye. <laughs> That's gone bye-bye. Yep. Listen, I want to jump into your book. I want to talk a little bit about your book. Yes. Um, yes. So seven life lessons leading to your purpose. So let's talk about the first chapter, the power of words and their lasting impact. And maybe um, you can just tease our audience with a little intro as to why you even wrote that chapter and what it is that you believe to be that lasting impact. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yes, I'm very excited and very, uh, you know, just great sense of gratitude about this book, uh, Seven Life Lessons Leading to Your Purpose, Perseverance on Purpose. And I wrote this book because I, obviously, through my experience, I felt that I have, had a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And that's only one of my stories. I'm sure there are more stories to birth. Um, but this you know, this is about a journey of a little girl from the Caribbean migrating to this country and just her life experiences from 10 years old up until the cerebral hemorrhage really is what, what it's about. And the for each chapter, there are seven chapters, and I chose seven because seven is such a profound um, number. It's such a spiritual number. Yes. So that's res seven resonated with me. Each chapter is a different lesson. And at the end of each um chapter at the end of each lesson the reader is um asked questions they're encouraged to engage their questions asked for self-reflection well that's great so it's interactive yeah. fantastic yes. Yes. yes yes so the first chapter is like you know as you mentioned the power of words and their lasting impact and honestly what this chapter is about is my introduction to racism Mm, okay because you have to understand i came from the country i came from a rural area farmland very 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 small tight-knit community where everyone looked like me and everyone sounded like me okay you know so got it yeah so you know i was only accustomed to seeing i mean when i say that it was country i didn't have a television in the home okay so, so you just really Yes. Has no concept of any, as you, as you rightfully said, and thank you for framing that for us, because you had no, you just hadn't even seen a person that was not a, a dark skinned person or was not yes. of color. So yes. gotcha. Yes. So now you come to Canada and it's, it's, there's a whole new world happening here. There, and tell us about your, your, in, when you said your introduction to racism, tell us, was there an, a specific incident yeah, well, you know, I arrived in Canada on a Saturday, mm -hmm. and I was in school on Monday morning. Wow, and okay. I remember I got ready for school, and my mom, as I was leaving, 
Mom said, oh, by the way, if you hear the word nigger, it is not a compliment. It's a word that they use when they don't like us. It's a word that they use um, just because they don't like us. And, and it's, a, it's an insult to us when they use this word. And so I thought, okay, I never heard that word prior to that a conversation. Right. Uh, and, you know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, who are they? And, you know, what is, what is she talking about? Right. Anyhow, of course, I get to school and the day is going well. Lots of new people, lots of new friends. And of course, you know, my accent is so strong. Everything is so different, right? Right. And um, anyhow, I'm in the classroom and this uh, lovely little Italian boy came up to me and said, oh, look at the little nigger. And I said, fire. Immediately, I thought, okay. You thought what your mother said. Mom said, this is an insult. So this little boy just insulted me. And that means he doesn't like me. Right. And so I said, okay. However, what mom didn't know about me is I was a little bit of a fighter from Jamaica. I really right. Was. So, so let me just preface this by saying mom had come ahead to Canada and left yes. you in, in Jamaica as is very, very, very often in our culture. Right. Yes. So, so mom would not have been aware that you, you know, you weren't, you weren't about that life. You weren't about just call me whatever and move on. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She, she would not have known that about me. Right. Because even though she, we, it's so good, the relationship, even though she was here and I was there, she would write me letters. I remember getting letters in big print so I could read them. And so, Aww, so the relationship was there. Right. But, you know, that day to day intimacy of knowing sure. my, my character and all of that, she didn't know. Sure. So um, when that little boy um, said that, of course, my instinct was, no, you're not. You are not going to talk to me like that. Right. We're not having this. So automatically, I just I just shoved him down. And unfortunately, I don't know if you remember back in those days, we had those bookcases in the classroom. They were like a tall um, a cellular, like a circle. Um, circle, metal, right. Metal bookcases. And the books sat in each pocket around the case. And so in me pushing him, he the whole bookcase, he knocked against the bookcase. And he went down, the bookcase went down, and it was a bit of a mess. And right. unfortunately, the little boy had braces in his teeth that I didn't know anything about braces. I've never seen them before. And the impact, of course, caused bleeding. And, you know, it was just greater than it was. It, it right. Was not good. Right. From one from one sh- from one shove, it ended up being a whole bunch of other little side effects kind of thing. Got exactly. it. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I was immediately sent to the office. And uh, I don't recall him being sent to the office, but I, hmm. I was sent to the office. And the principal announced to me that I was going to be getting a strap. And I thought, well, you know, I know in Jamaica, you got the strap if you're bad in school. But, right. um, you know, anyhow, usually, though, if there's a situation in school, everybody was getting a strap. It wasn't one person being pointed out. Right. And so, right. So so this is a multi-layered racist moment because, number one, the little boy insulted you. Number yeah. two, because of all these other things that happened. It, the, the bottom line for them was you were the one that is in trouble. He didn't go to the office. You went to the exactly. office and you ended up getting the strap. So it was multi-layered. Okay. Well, Which hold is, on to that. I did not get the strap. It was threatened that I was going to get ah, the strap. Ah, got it. Got but it. Okay. He was going to, he needed to contact my mom. Remember, it's the first day of school. Sure. Um, he needed to contact my mom to, you know, speak to her about the situation and let her know, you know, what was going to happen. And of course, um, I waited and waited what seemed like an eternity. And then mom arrived 
And then um, mom went in the office and spoke to him. They talked behind closed door for a little bit. And then she came home, came out of the, you know, the office and, and explained to me that, you know, I shouldn't have pushed this little boy down and that I need to go back to the classroom. I need to apologize to the boy and to the teacher. Hmm. And uh, I was, and that there was going to be no strap. So anyways, I didn't know all of what took place in the office. So when I got home and, um, you know, I had to go and do my apologies and, um, which, you know, I don't recall the little boy apologizing to me, but, um, right. But right. I do recall that, um, you know, we had to pick up all the books and I, he, he had to support that activity and pick up the books and put them back inside the, the case. But right. when I got home and, and talked to mom as to what happened and I thought I was going to get the strap and I didn't get the strap. Um, she explained that, you know, she talked to the principal and she informed the principal that the only person um, allowed to do any kind of physical discipline to her child was her. Good. Good. And so that was not going to happen. Good. And, and as far as any kind of physical um, disciplinary actions that night, no, we had a conversation. She said, yes, this is what, um, this is how this world is. Cause I remember as I was sitting there and the principal said he was going to be giving me a strap. I thought to myself immediately, this, he must be part of the they group. He, right. The they group. There you he go. Part of the they group and they don't right. like me. And, um, and mom, you know, later on explained that as black people, this is, this is just how it is here. Just how it is. And, you know, um, but you have to always stand up for yourself and and you know that that feeling of being judged or being disliked or um known as discrimination of course mm -hmm. as a child i didn't understand the word discrimination but mm -hmm. you know it, it brought on a lot of feelings of guilt and shame yes right? yeah of um, course it would of but course it has not. and you know what so just for context this was in the 1970s right Yes, it was. I yeah. was born in '64, and I came out in '74. So right. Was so this was in 1974. Yeah. I, you know what? Um, I think writing this, I, I, I am sure that this was very cathartic for you to even yeah. put pen to paper about this. Tell me, can you? Um, and and I think you know, you've got me thinking back to the times in my life where this had happened when I was in school. I had a couple of incidents like that. Um, and you know, what was, what it is, was, and remains interesting to this day is how the adults in the room, I like to call them the adults in the room are not looking at it and saying, wait a second, wait one cotton picking minute. What just happened here? Yeah. And you know what I mean? So they're just yeah. looking at, and, and, and I think that still is, is unfortunately is true today. Can you, uh, tell our listeners, can you, uh, read the um, the titles of the other the, the six other chapters in the book, just so that we have a sense of that. And then I want to get into I want to talk a little bit about your other um, love, uh, my sisters, our stories. So, what are the other um, six okay. chapters in the book? So, chapter two is uh, follow your heart no matter what. Hmm. Chapter three, when faced with an obstacle, go over it through it or under it chapter four unexpected thunder know mm. your body know your body and recognize changes chapter five recognize god's grace and depend on him in chapter six learn to be still 
and the final chapter, Gratitude and Purpose. I love those names. I absolutely love those names. And we're going to talk right at the end about where, how we can get that book. Let's talk about My Sisters, Our Stories. Tell us a little bit about that, um, that organization and who you think, uh, who are the beneficiaries of that organization? Okay. Um, that organization, I remember when that uh, organization was birthed and, um, uh, 2014 and you know as a leader in nursing my background is nursing i don't know if i even uh, mentioned that and the majority of my nursing is experience has uh, been in the role of director of nursing in a nursing home and nursing homes really and as you know in the nursing field the majority field the majority of staff are females so i've always been uh, in a position of leadership as it pertains to female that um caused me to encourage, educate, and, you know, um, all that kind of thing, inspire uh, mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I've always been as, you know, I've always got a side side gig, and my <laughs> side gig for many years um, was in the cosmetic industry. And right. so within the cosmetic industry, I, of course, was exposed to a lot of different women, different culture, different educational background, different ethnicity. and Because we uh, all want to look cute. I'm telling we no all matter what. no matter what. <laughs> but what I found was a common ground is that these women all are strong women. These women have overcome some things. I mean, when when you talk to some women and hear about their lives, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You realize that we are more alike than we are unalike. That is so true. And we are unbreakable. We are as women, oh, I can't yes. tell you yes. how unbreakable we are. Yes. And so uh, you know, I used to be on the board of director of an organization uh, that supports women going through cancer and survivors of cancer, particularly women of color. Yes. And um, I realized all these women, are how powerful it was to hear their stories mm -hmm. as they talked about their experiencing, experiences. And so my sisters, our stories came to be because I, as I met other women who've gone through other situations, whether it be something like the, the birth of a child after being after trying for 10 years mm -hmm. or um, the inability to have a child and, and what they've done to, to live with or overcome that or the loss of a child mm -hmm. or any number of things that women go through on a daily, loss of a relationship, divorce, what have you, children um, situation, different illnesses outside of cancer because there's so many. Sure. And I thought, where do these women share their stories? What platform do they have? Do they have? And so my Sisters, Our Stories was born out of that to provide women with a platform to share their own stories of success despite adversities. Because we are strong. Yeah. It's so aligned with the unbreakable spirit. Yes, yes. It really is very, very aligned. That is beautiful. And, you know, I love, um, you know, here it is like your helping heart, right? That just continues to... Mm -hmm to share and to um, help others share as well. That's a beautiful thing. So tell me where, tell me where people can order your book. Cause your book is, and, and I've got I've, my, my copy better be on the way. I'm, I'm dealing <laughs> with that. I am going to deal with that situation today because I want to support, but I also feel that it is invaluable because I think that 
like my sisters, our stories, it is so important to share your story um, because you, you want to also help others know you are not alone. You will get through this because so many things have happened in our lives. I'm sure that we didn't know that we really felt in that moment. Oh my gosh, how am I going to get through this? So it's really fantastic that you have that. Tell me how people can order your book, Juliet. Okay, so I'm in the process of getting it on Amazon. It is woo! not here yet, woo, woo! but it will be on Amazon. Yes, yes, get excited. Um, however, right now I do have, I was going to say, 100 copies in my hot little hands, but because I, you know, I self-published, so I do have some physical copies. However, and so can um, they email? Yes, they can, um, uh, e they can do an e-transfer and I can drop it in the mail for them. That Wonderful. And you can visit Juliet's website on julietcrary.com, J-U-L-I-E-T-C-R-E-A-R-Y.com and place your order there. Yay, Juliet. Thank yes. you. This was a very short uh, look into Juliet's life and her journey, but Juliet, I, there's a whole lot more to share. And thankfully you did write the book to share. So thank you for sharing space with us, Juliet. And Selena, thank you for the opportunity, the opportunity to, to share um, with you and with your listeners about my particular story. And my hope is that in hearing my story and, and even reading the book and, and to your other powerful women that I know you showcase on this um, platform is that other women will find their strength. And yes. their purpose, yes, and their why to, yes. to, to move forward and take care of what they are called to do with their lives. Love it, yeah, because we're all here. We are all here for a purpose. Thank you so much, Juliet. Thank you for listening to the Unbreakable Spirit for the Soul podcast. Please click like and click share. We'd love to hear your feedbacks and comments. Never miss an episode. Please sign up on our website, theunbreakablespiritpc.com. And you can also find us on IG. Our handle is at the.unbreakablespirit and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Unbreakable Spirit for Podcast for the Soul. Thank you again for listening. Have yourself an exceptional day. And ciao for now, Selena signing off.